So basically what you are seeing right now is gonna be a behind the scenes of the Zoom call that I'm doing for a little group right now. We're gonna be talking about waiting on God. So you know, you're getting a little behind the scenes stuff going on right here. I got the Zoom call going on phone. You won't be able to see it, but at least you'll still be getting a whole lot out of it because this teaching right here is packed with a lot of wisdom. See that? So today's presentation is called Stressing While Waiting on God. Well, then you'll love these two inspiring stories. Pretty much with this presentation, what I would love to be able to instill in you guys tonight is just to help you believe that like waiting properly yeah, not just waiting and not just like waiting while complaining, uh, but like waiting properly is the key to not just getting like greater rewards, but it's like only attainable when you're having like faith in God while waiting. So when it comes to waiting, I'm sure like a lot of us, a lot of you guys have experienced those moments of having to wait. You know, those moments where it's like Christmas Eve or that last period of school and like every single minute just feels like an hour is passing. Um, or like waiting in a line in Disney World or the lunch line. And I don't think any of you guys have jobs right now, but if you have a job in the future, you know, waiting on getting a promotion. Or if you had like something really complicated happen between you and someone you know, it might be waiting to get an apology or just like waiting to get recognition that you feel like you should have. So, you know, we've all had these moments in our life where we're waiting. And we've all had moments where we felt impatient and maybe even like kind of stressed out while we were waiting. And if you're like me, maybe you wished that you could just kind of jump right to that point where you're getting the thing that you want and you don't have to go through that waiting period at all. And, you know, to have these feelings, they aren't bad. And to feel frustrated while you're waiting, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like almost not even your fault because over time, um, like, I don't like you guys probably haven't been around long enough to like really witness it, but our society has just been getting like better and better at making things and giving those things to us faster. Because if you think about it, you know, with Amazon, you can just like order something on your phone. And if you time it properly, you could order something on your phone and get it to your house within like 30 minutes. And I remember before when like Amazon was starting to be a thing, people were like, it's not gonna be popular ordering online. It takes like a week to get your, to your house. It's not gonna be a thing, but now it is like a huge company and they're getting better at delivering stuff faster too. So like it makes sense that we've been begun to develop this expectation of getting things quickly, you know? But there are some things that no matter how efficient other processes get, we're still gonna have to wait. And waiting for what we want is just something that's eventually going to be happening in our life. So my goal tonight is to show you that while we're waiting, you know, God is working. And by the end of this, not only will we have kind of removed that stress or that frustration that you feel while waiting, but you'll also know how to wait properly. And now you might be thinking like, what? Alec, did you say wait properly? Like, does this mean that you can wait improperly? And you know, the answer is yes. Like you, you can definitely wait improperly. You see, there's like a right way and a wrong way to wait. In fact, um, as I was thinking about making this, uh, you know, coming up with this teaching for tonight, I thought of this fantastic story 
that happened to me actually while I was in high school playing football. And just in case you don't, you don't know, I was not good at football at all. I'm, I was not athletic at all. Um, if I stood outside for too long, I'd start sweating. You know, this is one of those things growing up. But anyway, so like I, I was on the football team in high school and I was sitting on the bench during one of the games and on one side of me was this one student and you know, he was this up and coming star player. Like he was doing really, really great throughout the entire summer. And like, he was honestly like really skilled and I'm not gonna say his real name. So we'll just call him like superstar Sean. Um, and then, so we got super, super, superstar Sean on my right side. And then on my other side, it was just this like, you know, just another student, just a regular guy, uh, nothing special, just like a normal dude. And, you know, we'll call him normal Nick. No offense to, to Nick, but you know, we'll just call, we'll call him normal Nick for now. And uh, so like, as I was sitting on the bench, you know, to see Nick beside me, um, it wasn't too surprising. You know, I was like, okay, normal Nick and I on the sidelines, not too surprising. But then for like this superstar Sean dude to be sitting next to me, like that was kind of weird, to be honest. And Sean was like always this person who would be like the first one in the game. And to see him on the bench, it was like really odd. And he knew it was odd too. And the longer that Sean was sitting on this bench, you could just feel the energy. Like he was just getting more frustrated and more angry. And eventually he was just like, oh, I get, he gets up and he goes over to the coach and he's like, coach, you got to put me in. And the coach was like, no, not yet. And oh, so he gets frustrated, comes back, sits down. And this, this process just keeps repeating. He gets frustrated, he gets mad, he gets up. He's like, coach, you got to put me in. The coach is like, not yet, just sit down. And he sits down, gets frustrated, gets up. And uh, yeah, that cycle would just go on and on. And then meanwhile, you know, normal Nick, he was... He was doing his stretches. He was like practicing the different plays. Uh, in fact, a few times I saw him do like a little bit of some push-ups and some squats, you know, trying to stay limber. And uh, eventually the time came where the coach came up to Sean and he's like, we're ready for you. We're ready to put you on the field. And everything was set up perfectly. You know, the coach was waiting to get everything set up on the field so that Sean could just like come in, steal the show win the game for the team and it'd be a piece of cake. So Sean, he like runs out, he's super eager and he gets in his position. And if you don't know uh, football terminology, he's on offense. So they're trying to get the touchdown and uh, they hike the ball and Sean did everything like exactly how the coach had imagined. Sean saw this gap in the defense. He runs through, he's running and the quarterback, this was wild. He like throws the ball and this thing, it's like a homing missile. It's coming like right to his hand as though there's like a magnet in his glove. The ball goes right to it. But then just before he was able to like scoop the ball up, it looked like Sean got like struck by lightning or something. He just buckled up and fell on the ground. And um, what had happened was his hamstring cramped up. So he quite literally like, you know, he dropped the ball and it was so bad they had to like drag him off the field. And uh, meanwhile, you know, I'm just sitting there, I'm just sitting on the bench, just watching this whole thing go down. And uh, the coach looks over and he sees normal Nick just, you know, doing his stretches, going over the plays. And uh, he's like, Nick, come on, you're going in, you're taking over for Sean. And the amazing thing was all the stretching and all that practice that Nick did while he was on the sideline, it totally paid off when he got on the field. He was way more energized than anyone else that was out there. He was 
limber, you know, no cramping. And uh, he, he was doing fantastic, to be honest. So all the great plays that the coach saved for Sean, the coach had these plays saved for Sean. At the end of the game, he gave all of those plans over to Nick because Nick was prepared when the time came. And, you know, I didn't have this profound thought while it was happening, but like looking back, you know, the lesson I learned when seeing all this go down was that like waiting isn't just doing nothing. And we normally like associate the two things like, oh, like, oh, you're waiting, you're sitting, you're doing nothing. But like here, you've got two guys, you got Sean, who's sitting and actually doing nothing. Well, he's getting frustrated, but he's sitting doing nothing. And then you got Nick, who's stretching and he's going over the plays. He's trying to get himself ready. So you see, like, when you're waiting, God is in the background working. You know, that coach, he was doing everything in his power to prepare the field and the players so that Sean could come in and just, like, easily win the game for everyone. But Sean, he didn't see that the coach was trying to work things out for him. So Sean was focused on getting the thing he wanted, and he missed out on seeing what the, co what the coach was, like, trying to prepare for him. And even though Nick didn't see what the coach was doing. And even though Nick knew that the coach wasn't planning to put him into the game, Nick was still faithful that he would eventually be needed. So he stayed prepared. And when Sean like, you know, literally dropped the ball, uh, everything that was originally prepared for Sean was just given to Nick because Nick was ready and Sean wasn't. So you see like God is working. He's working in your life too. He's just like that coach on the field. He's working in your life, getting everything ready while you're waiting. But just because you're waiting, it doesn't mean that you should be doing nothing. You know, so it's kind of like, you see how those things kind of go together there? So next time you're waiting, you got to just ask yourself, like, do you want to be like Sean, who wasn't ready and lost what was getting prepared for him? Or do you want to be like Nick, who had the faith and showed it by being prepared when the time came? It's just like, yeah, so I know it's kind of like a deep, deep question right there. So you just take some time to like ruminate it over. But there's also another factor to this. And I said that there was going to be two stories. So that was story number one. So story number two is coming up in a sec. There's actually two factors to waiting and being prepared or being prepared while you wait isn't enough. There's also moments where you have to prepare before you wait. And it sounds kind of weird, but this story will help to make things a little bit uh, more clear for that. So in the Bible, Jesus shares this story about these 10 women who were waiting to go into this wedding party. And if you really want to read the story for yourself, you can find it in Matthew 25. But I'm going to give you the Alec translation uh, for the text tonight. But pretty much the story that Jesus shared was meant to help explain how the world is supposed to work. So you know how there are those sayings where it's like, oh, life is like a box of chocolates or life is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, this is Jesus's version where he's saying, well, life is like 10 women trying to go to a party. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't sound as eloquent as the other sayings, but you know, he had a story to back it up. So Jesus is like, life is like 10 women waiting to go to a party. So 10 women were waiting. They, uh, they're waiting for this party. They got there early. They brought their lamps just in case it got dark out. But five of the women, they didn't bring extra oil. And this oil would be used to keep the lamps lit. You know, it'd be like a, like a fuel source. 
and the other five women, they, they did bring extra oil. And you could imagine uh, this oil, it's kind of like, like five women brought their, their cell phones and the other five women brought their cell phones, but they also brought, you know, those external like battery chargers with it. So, you know, so like back to the story, it's getting late, it's getting dark out and eventually it's midnight. They're waiting for this groom. This groom still hasn't arrived and the building where the wedding party is being held at hasn't opened. So like no one's able to go inside. They're all waiting outside. More time passes and the five girls who didn't bring the extra oil, they're trying to be all sweet. They're like, hey girlfriend, you know, my lamp's it's like running low. Um, I'd really like to have some of yours. Uh, but the women who had the extra oil, they're like, mm-mm, uh-uh, uh-uh, sister. <laughs> there is not enough to share. Uh, but just go, like, if you really want some extra oil, just go get some extra oil for yourself. So the women that didn't bring the extra oil, they decided to quickly get up and leave. And what happens next is kind of ridiculous. It's pretty much like a moment, um, something out of, like, some type of comedy movie. It was like the moment these women left is the exact moment that the bridegroom got there and started letting people into the party. So anyway, by the time the women get back with the oil, everyone's already inside and it was too late for them to go in. And in fact, uh, they even try to go in, but the bridegroom, he comes to the door. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know you guys. So I can't, can't let you in, you know? And, uh, Jesus kind of wraps up that story by saying to like, be, you gotta be ready because you don't know the exact time that God's gonna show up in your life. And isn't that kind of wild? You know, the five women who weren't ready to wait ended up missing the party. But the five women who came prepared were able to get into that party. And I don't know about you, but I'd feel pretty salty if I got to a party early, left for a second only to come back and find out that I'm not allowed in. I'm like, oh, what, are you kidding me? Um, but, you know, that's, you know, Jesus was saying that's how life works sometimes. You know, it's not just enough to be there early. Sometimes you got to be persistent and you got to be prepared to wait as well. So in this story, Jesus was, you know, he's talking about oil for fueling a lamp for the long run. But you could think about it this other way. Like, what do you have that fuels you for the long run? Because it might just be. Like you might have like some motivation and that'll help you wait for the little short term. But what if you got to wait longer and things begin to look darker? You know, what do you have that you can turn to that can help to continue to fuel you? So if you know you'll have to wait or um, if you aren't too sure how long you have to wait, then you got to be prepared for the long haul. And as Jesus said, you know, you won't know the exact time that God's going to show up. So therefore, you got to be prepared to wait because while you're waiting, God is preparing something awesome for you that you don't want to miss. And while you wait, you know, prepare for that moment that God, that God does provide because, you know, you don't want to drop the ball after going through all that waiting just to get the thing and then find out you're not prepared. So in the end, you know, you should know that waiting does not equal doing nothing and while we're waiting, you got to have faith that God is working. So the, the two stories that I thought you guys would love that would help you to not stress while you wait on God. Thanks, Alex. Hmm? I know like you said you like used your whiteboard to give you like your stories on it. 
Um, is there anything that you would encourage us that if we were still using those whiteboards this month, month that we got, uh, is there anything you would encourage us maybe be like a good thing to put on it this week to like be thinking about as we're uh, not trying not to not do anything while we're trying? <laughs> well, I guess like if you wanted to write down like one of the quotes of like while you're waiting, God is working. That's a great visual reminder to see. And um, in terms of like a practical use for the whiteboard, one thing that I've been doing is, so, you know, in the story, like the women got prepared before they waited, you can prepare what you need to get done before you start working on it. Like I've had times where I'm like, I got to sit down, uh, get some work done. And for you guys it might be homework. So you got to sit down, get your homework done. But if you start to try to think of what you got to do in that moment, it takes away from the getting things done like state of mind. So like before you start working, you should write down like, okay, what's the first thing I got to do? Number one, look up what homework is <laughs> that I got to do. And then step number two, maybe write the list. You know, you can do something super simple like that. But I feel like those two things, you got at the top while, while you're waiting, God is working. And then underneath of it, you could use this as like a checklist. That's what I've been doing because you can write it and then you can just like, oh, got it done. And it's like super satisfying to uh, to erase things on this. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, I hope that that, uh, that helps you guys with a great, a great um, sentence to remember is that what we God is working. Are you a Christian leader looking to develop the skills needed to maximize the fruitfulness in your daily walk with Christ? Do you want to overcome the burden of not living life to the fullest and fully step into your God-given calling? If you do, then you should get a copy of my book, Planting Your Purpose, a 20-day guide to discover God's calling. It's not just another devotional book. Planting Your Purpose is your 20-day guide that will provide you with the strategies, tools, and insights to turn things around immediately. You will learn how to avoid the top five mistakes Christians make when pursuing their calling in life. You'll develop more joy in your walk with Jesus and unlock the secrets to mastering integrity. And by the end of 20 days, not only will you know your calling, but you'll have an even greater sense of fulfillment and confidence in your life. Everywhere, Christians are raving about this amazing new guide to discover their God-given calling. Get your copy by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to plantingyourpurpose.com. That's plantingyourpurpose.com.